The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. Of course, this is John McAndrew and I'm your guest host quite frequently here at One Hour at a Time. And uh, today's show is, is called Creating Hope. In creating change. It's an agency's mission to assist others to achieve their potential. And our guests are Jim Wallace and Casey Harlan, and they're from Preferred Family Healthcare. And we'll give you a little information here so you uh, can kind of look this up on the internet as you're listening. Jim and Casey are going to talk about Preferred Family Healthcare and its innovative program. Achieving Resiliency, Responsibility, and Recovery Through Creativity. It's ARTC. And it's really internationally known, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today and, and about how their agency has embraced the integration of creative arts, uh, creative arts-based strategies, and the overall state of substance abuse prevention and treatment in the state of Missouri. Uh, Jim is the vice president at PFH, and uh, he has been uh, overseeing and implementing these strategies for adolescent and adult clients uh, to receive quality care and services. Jim's also been been employed for 10 years. There, and prior to this, Jim worked 15 years with at-risk adolescents and their families as a juvenile officer and was employed with the Missouri Division of Youth Services as a service coordinator and facility manager. You will, as our show goes on, I think you're going to all see how that experience has really uh, been a powerful contribution to what they do. Now, Casey, she's the artist behind this whole thing, is a certified alcohol and drug counselor, certified co-occurring disorders professional slash diplomat in the state of Missouri, and she has well over 20 years of experience, again, working with adolescents with substance use disorders. And she's the founder and program director for Achieving Recovery Through Creativity, the ARTC program. Welcome, both of you, to our show. We are very grateful that you've taken the time to come and talk to us today. And where are you today, Jim? I'm in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, just right outside of St. Louis. And Casey, where are you? I'm in Wentzville, Missouri, which is also right outside of St. Louis. Now, I'll tell our audience that I I visited your St. Charles facility a few months back, and I walked in the front door, and it's almost like uh, it's just very striking. The minute uh, I was invited in to... The facility there in St. Charles to meet you, Jim. The art and the stuff going on on the walls, 
it's not like, you know, some places have a couple little paintings and, uh, this was absolutely an experience I've never seen. So it becomes obvious that clinically something different was going on there. And from that minute on, I was very, very interested. Now, Casey, you're in Wenzel now. Is that where you coordinate the ARTC program? Yeah, my office is based out of Wentzville. However, I travel to all of our sites across the state of Missouri and in Kansas to, to coordinate the program. Well, that's a good, then this is a, my next question. Um, Jim, can you give us an overall sort of a global view of uh, preferred family? Because you're very comprehensive and you actually cover Missouri and Kansas. Is that right? Yes, currently, uh, you know, and you were kind of reading my bio off and I mentioned the 15 plus the uh, additional years with the court and with the state, and I just did the math a couple months ago and realized I'd been in the business of working with at-risk youth and families and adults for now a quarter of a century, so I felt a little older after that epiphany. Wow, and you're only 30 years old. Yeah, yeah, I did. I I started when I was five. (laughs) I just skipped kindergarten and and went right into the business. But, uh, you know, preferred family health care, if you look at the website, you can kind of get a picture of uh, where we are. We are in Missouri and Kansas. However, um, our mission is helping others achieve their potential, and that truly uh, will be probably a lot of the detail of what Casey describes when when she talks about our our artsy program, but achieving our potential um, uh, could be in other states uh, moving forward if that meets our mission, but we're a not-for-profit agency um, working with substance abuse, uh, mental health, and uh, most recently uh, was awarded a federally qualified health center uh, in northeastern Missouri and doing some primary care health with uh, underserved populations. So it's really exciting uh, uh, this these times when we're talking about um, uh, co-occurring and mental health and substance abuse not being their own separate silos and integrated health uh, where we talk about medical home models, uh, which uh, preferred is a a medical home model where they're coordinating not only their behavioral health but their primary health. And um, it's effective for the clients and cost-saving for um, limited funding streams, but I think one of the unique things about preferred family health care across the agency is not only do we work in very urban areas like St. Louis City and Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, Missouri and Kansas are historically rural, but we even are in frontier areas, which has been identified and designated by um, the federal government, like Dodge City, Kansas, and so our strategies where the resources are five minutes uh, from you in the urban areas, they may be 100 miles from you in the, in the rural and frontier areas, and how we address helping others achieve their potential in those very diverse different areas um, can be um, challenging and definitely different. And I think that's the exciting part of uh, why these last 10 years have preferred for me of just kind of blown by and, 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 and just enjoying the ride and seeing uh-huh. folks being helped. And Preferred has been around for almost 30 years? 35 years this year, actually. 35 years. So we where around. did it start? And uh, I'm sure the growth has been, obviously the growth has been pretty big in the last 10 or so years. But 
Where did yeah, they start? We where did you um, began in Kirksville, Missouri, which is in northern Missouri, about, I think uh, Casey would probably correct me, but 20, 25 miles, 30 miles from the Iowa border. So very, very north uh, Missouri, and we uh, received a contract from the state to do, uh, it was basically an adult substance abuse halfway house. And in 1979, we started out with 10 staff. And um, since then, over the last 35 years, I mean, today I just saw figures that we are currently have 809 staff for our agency, which is pretty large for a uh-huh. substance abuse uh, behavioral health organization. Um, probably uh, 700 of those staff are in Missouri, and then we have uh, programming in Kansas as well. Um, and, uh, you know, we do kind of the whole uh, gamut. And I, I really enjoy and like the fact that the folks that don't know us and if the people listening um, are are working for behavioral health organizations or substance abuse and mental health. It's not that we have to do a lot of advertising because the folks that need us or the courts or the social service agencies, they know how to get a hold of us. And, and our right. our problem usually is waiting lists, not empty beds. Uh, but the, the nice thing about preferred family health care is as health care landscape changes, um, we're not pigeonholed into doing only one thing uh, with our name. Uh, and again, we really um, stand upon our mission of uh, whatever it is, if it helps others achieve their potential, then we're, we're going to look at it. And, and if we don't do it ourselves, we'll partner with somebody that, um, that, that does do it to, to help our clients. Mm-hmm. You have an interesting service, and it's called Team of Concern, and I think it would be nice if you just briefly uh, explained, and I, and I think both of your backgrounds definitely must have fed into to the how and whys of these, but Team of Concern, can, it's preventive education and services for, well, for at-risk youth, right? Absolutely, and what we found um, is uh, historically... Uh, when you talk about funding, it's state funding or maybe Medicaid dollars, um, right. a little private insurance. But a lot of that money is geared toward the individuals in crisis, the kid that has failed over and over and over again and relapsed and, and needs rehab, residential rehab. And those, there's, there's, there's youth or adults that, that need that level of service. Uh, outpatient, uh, intensive outpatient is available on a limited basis, but a lot of times the dollars aren't put on the front end, and that's prevention and early intervention. And we had, uh, and it's a, it's a statute that passed uh, uh, in early 2000s um, uh, that allowed uh, individual counties in the um, state of Missouri to um, uh, educate their community and uh, and put mm-hmm. a sales tax on the ballot and uh, there's about eight or nine counties across the state of Missouri that have that have done that 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 allocate a children's services fund for um, doing that early intervention and prevention and in the communities that we serve that have that children's services fund we have substance abuse programming and it'll it has allowed us to um, put a lot of front-end uh, resources uh, towards kids who maybe have not made a bad choice yet. Maybe you're just at risk because of family or community uh, uh, mm-hmm. issues. 
and and educate them on making the right choices before they make the wrong choices or right. before they get into a system that's hard to get out of and um our stats and outcomes over the last 7 years that we've been doing this program is tremendous and and we have districts we're in about 45 school districts in the St. Louis metropolitan area and, and it's a real pleasure now because if we go to a new area and talk about team of concern I talk about about 30 seconds and then I say I'm going to connect you with a superintendent or a principal that will tell you how it works in their school so they kind of make the sell for us uh, as opposed to an agency coming in and making that sell and and uh, I just left the meeting where we were visiting with the judge here in uh, St. Charles County Missouri uh, and our person that was uh, talking, we've served last year um, 55,000 kids um, with our prevention, early intervention, school-based programming in St. Charles County, um, which uh, the county's probably about um, a little, maybe double that. Um, and some of these kids are duplicative. They've got an assembly, and then they had some interaction in a classroom setting, and they get they get almost drowned with services on that prevention yeah. side. Um, and you can't do that with the resources with residential. I mean, the dollars aren't there. So um, you get more bang for your buck on the front end, and I think it it helps on on the back end. Yeah. The the network and and your footprint in Missouri is really impressive and. Folks can go to www.pfh.org and sort of see where you're located. I think this is a good time, and we probably got about a minute here. Uh, and and when we come back after break, we're going to bring Casey in, and we're going to have her explain. Uh, this is really a world-renowned program, and and, and uh, I'll brag about it as much as I need to, but. Uh, she's going to tell us about what ARTC is and and how they came to develop that program and why in the recent years there's been presidents that have come to visit. And uh, it's re- it's really uh, an incredible program. So when we come back, we're going to we're going to talk to Casey Harlan. We'll be right. Back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking to... uh to Jim Wallace at Behavior uh, Preferred Family Healthcare, a leading behavioral health organization in Missouri and Kansas. And uh, they provide mental health and substance abuse treatment services. We've been talking to Jim about uh, preferred family and uh, sort of laying the groundwork for how comprehensive they are. And really, one of their outstanding achievements is called the ARTC program. And I'll spit these words out the best I can. Achieving resiliency, responsibility, and recovery through creativity. And, and the director and founder of that program is our, is our other guest, and her name is Casey Harlan. So, Casey, did you just wake up one morning and go, I think this is going to be the greatest thing I wish I was that inspired. However, really the program was uh, was developed out of a pragmatic need to engage my personal caseload of residential, adolescent, co-occurring, and substance abuse consumers. What uh-huh. I discovered, um, you know, as a novice counselor, I came in kind of guns a-blazing with this this idea that one way of providing counseling and treatment was the way to go, and I tried to box my caseload of of young people into this idea that they should respond to my across-the-desk confrontational style of of treatment and counseling. And what I quickly discovered is that a one-note traditional counseling approach was not working for most of the young people I was trying to engage. Um, And, you know, when you think about adolescents in general developmentally, they don't fully develop the ability to verbally tell you what's going on with them until late adolescence. So that's what, what, what is late adolescence? Do? 17 to 19 years old. And so with a 14-year-old sitting in front of me doing mm-hmm. counseling, I'm saying to them, tell me how you feel about that. And right. they're looking at me kind of like I have two heads and, and showing me by several different things, stomping their feet, throwing something across my office, um, so what I what I discovered is is that if I put a sketchbook and crayons in their hand during a session, uh-huh. it was amazing what they were able to show me about what was going on with them. And and that's what I started with, honestly. I, I started with drawing paper and crayons. And um and what happened was is their defenses were lowered, they were engaged in the session, and it gave me a glimpse into the world of of these young people that I don't think I ever would have gotten had I just asked them a question. 
Um, Can you tell me that um, I'd like to kind of visualize the first time that happened for you and, um, you know, when you first pulled those out and, and, and what that was like for you to see that? Um, it was I. It was just absolutely amazing because truly what happened was is while this young man, and I remember the young man it was because it was someone who had had a very serious case of attention deficit disorder, and he had a really hard time sitting still in my sessions. And so I handed him the the sketchbook and the crayons, and um, for the first time in the two weeks that he was in treatment, he actually carried on a tracked conversation with me about what was going on. He was able to share with me um, motivations behind his using even, and Mm -hmm. all I did was put something else in front of him to do. And then at the end... um, the picture wasn't necessarily that he drew wasn't necessarily the most telling thing. Um, it was really the process that helped him engage in the session. Okay. And so I'm sure you walked out of that room, and I, I'm, I'm going to assume your next reaction is, I think I'm going to try this again. Absolutely. Yeah. And, so how did and you honestly, develop my this? thought was, I need cooler stuff. Crayons oh. and paper aren't working. <laughs> And there yeah. uh, aren't enough, really. And and so, honestly, I gave it a name. I gave the program a name because I wanted to be able to get um, the supplies and the equipment that I believed that the kids I was working with deserved to have, um, things that most of them really had not been exposed to in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I, I named the program and started looking for grants and um, in order to get to get better um, visual art supplies in order to, to purchase recording equipment and musical instruments and all of those things that, um, that I really wanted to introduce the kids I was working with at our St. Charles site to. Um, from that point on, it kind of exploded into uh, it was just a snowball effect, and so we started implementing the program at all of our sites. Mm-hmm. And so when is the first time that, that you were... Uh, curious to show this to, to other clinicians and to show them, uh, you know, how this worked and, and, the, and the benefits that you got from it. When, when was the first time that you started to share this? Because this is really, there are a lot of people coming and want you to teach this to them. And, and uh, so when did it start to become, uh, you started to teach this and, and share it? Well, internally, immediately, because any time that, you know, I, when I had that amazing reaction from that first young man, um, you know, internally, I, I went immediately to our staffing, and I was like, we need to do this. Right. This, is, this is working. And, uh, and, you know, from that point on, I mean, I think it was just a progressive, um, you know, we, we had other sites within our agency that wanted to start it, and so that's where we began is, is um, implementing it in other sites and, uh you know, I've presented at some local and, and national conferences regarding it. Um, and essentially, it, it really is just, it's a strengths and interest-based program. And so the, the whole goal is to engage our consumers, both adolescent and adult now. Um, we use it with, with all ages. Um, engage them with their own interests and talents right. as the vehicle. Right. And the evidence-based practices for dual diagnosis show that it's really important to not identify them with their disorders, but as who they are. And I, this really hits that right in the bullseye, and that's exactly what you've said 
to meet Jim, I want to bring you in because when I went to the St. Charles facility, um, you know, Casey's kind of modest about this. She was when I came there, and she still is on the air. <laughs> but this has just, it's like, uh, I don't know if people in the South know what kudzu is. It's sort of a green plant that just grows everywhere, and it covers all the fences and all the trees in the summer. Well, that's what this art is like. Every office is covered, every wall. There are things on the ceilings. So how, how did you respond to this, Jim? And uh, I'm sure with a smile, but you're trying to think how do we best utilize it, right? Right. And, if, yeah. and as I listen to Casey talk, uh, uh, it's obvious uh, her passion behind this, and it's never waned over the 10 years I've been with Preferred and, and had the privilege of, of being here uh, almost from the beginning when it was just a after-hours uh, group uh, on a Friday if the donations uh, were available. But she kept on, and, and, uh, and at the time I was program director here at St. Charles and actually one of the supervisors, and Casey was pretty clear what she said, uh, we need more cool stuff, we need to get this done, we need more than papers and crayons once in a while. And so the squeaky wheel gets the oil, and uh, and certainly that that occurred. And I bought into it right away. Um, what we did here locally at the site was uh, it was uh, you know ten fifteen years ago decorated uh, with um, uh, an adult thought process in mind. And and John, you talk about uh, when you walked in, you saw the art covering the wall, and uh, from room to room, from group room to group room, murals right. and. And mosaics, um, and that's a, that's been an evolutionary process. But um, you know, ten years ago, we didn't have that, and really, uh, we had issues. You know, kids that didn't want to be in program would uh, take their aggression out, maybe, and and punch a wall or not take mm-hmm. care of uh, take care of the uh, um, facility. And what we found that once we started decorating the facility with their work, with the artwork that they've uh, achieved in, in Artsy, uh, our property damage went way down, which meant our cost of repair went way down, which meant the availability of funds for Casey's art products uh, went went uh, considerably higher. And, and we, had, uh, we had foundations, and one of them was at the... Uh, advisory board uh, meeting that you attended uh, here a few months ago. Um, uh, Debbie Hessler from the Katie Hessler Foundation, she Mm -hmm. has a passion for this type of youth and has been kind of a cornerstone of helping us fund and get get our, our, uh, our programming off the ground and getting it recognized not only locally, statewide, and then nationally. Uh, And it's been a process, but it's really gone pretty quick and, and really comes from Casey's passion for making this happen. And now, Casey, it's available in all your different facilities, which, uh, I mean, how many facilities are there? And I'm, I'm assuming you can't do this everywhere, so you've trained people within uh, Preferred to do this at all the facilities. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I think, what are we up to now, Jim, 35 about 35 offices across the two states. Right, wow. and so in each, of those, each of those offices has a point person. That's our artsy point person, and they're kind of responsible for the goings-on of, the, of artsy at that site. And then I have some regional coordinators um, that do a lot of the, um, 
the direction of it within like the different regions. Um, but really, more than anything, is that I have trained or have my my staff have trained every staff member that works for Preferred Family Healthcare on how right. to utilize this program within the role within their role within the agency. Right. So, how many uh, point persons do you have now underneath here? Mm, point person. Each site has a point person. Um, okay. I only have three coordinators that are direct reports to me. Yeah, it's really. It's just amazing to see how big uh, this has gotten and how it's grown. And, and we're going to take a break in a minute here, but we, when we come back, I think a lot of us are aware that expressive therapies have been around in treatment and, uh, and counseling, you know, the arena for many, many years. And uh, I think what we want to talk about in the next segment is really what makes ARTC unique. And then I, if you can share with us, uh, I had the, I was fortunate to be uh, at a meeting that you had at your office that day where one of your uh, participants talked about the artwork and how that changed her life and her feelings about herself and her, her perspective. And, you know, you could see it in her face and, and just being about 20 feet from her talking about it. So uh, we're going to take a break here, and we come back. Uh, we'll follow up with sort of what, what's unique about this and then talk about some of the successes. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. We've been talking to Preferred... Family Health Care, and uh, to Jim Wallace, the Vice President, and to Casey Harlan, who is uh, 
program director of this program, Artsy, A-R-T-C. And, and uh, when, when we left off at the end of the last break, uh, we were talking about expressive therapies and music and art have been used a lot. Uh, there's been music therapy, there's, you know, an art therapy and the treatment counseling world for years. But there's obviously something very unique about this artsy program. And, and, and Casey, could you just follow up with that? Absolutely. You know, first and foremost, and, and, and I make this, this kind of disclaimer because I want people to know that we do not claim to do that artsy is art and music therapy. I'm not an art or music therapist, and I certainly right. don't want to disrespect anyone who has had the education and training and, and certification in those specialties. Um, what we do is we integrate the creative strengths and interests of our consumers into their individualized treatment plans. So what we're, we're trying to do is um, what they come to us with, what they're interested in, what their talents are, we want them to be able to use that as a vehicle that drives their treatment process. Um, so if we have someone that comes to us and they play guitar, and um, we we will somehow integrate the playing of guitar into their treatment plan, and, and that can be done in a variety of different ways, from mm-hmm. using it as a coping strategy to actually completing their assignments using the using songwriting. Um, when I present on this, I presented at a national conference in Houston, and and I talked to them a little bit about the idea of. Um, you know, there are people that have theoretical orientations that they subscribe to um, in, in treatment. And using the artsy program does not negate any of those theoretical orientations. In fact, it can be utilized within any theoretical orientation because what it is is almost like a language. Mm-hmm. So if, we, if I had someone who came to me and they spoke Spanish, I would provide a translator, I would translate their assignments into Spanish. I wouldn't expect them to learn English. And so if I have someone that comes to me and they are a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner or music is their thing, it would be really remiss of me not to use that and provide their treatment to them in a language that they understand. And so that's really what artsy is. It's it's meeting the consumers where they're at, no matter what um, you know what their presenting needs are. Obviously, they come to us with needs, but I'm more interested in what drives them, what makes them, what what positive things make them feel good, what talents that they have, because I think we need to grab onto those for them to be successful. Absolutely, and Jim. You're, you're uh, kind of overseeing this, and both of you have been around long enough. And, um, you know, the addiction field doesn't get the greatest press. Um, it's not, you know, success is measured in, in different ways. And, of course, in dual diagnosis, success is really finding out who you are and being a part of a community. And it's not, you know, just staying sober, Uh so, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience with how this artsy program has, has changed some people's minds and how you see that in the addiction field. The success. Yeah, I'll uh, kind of touch on a little bit um, in my perspective uh, uh, globally and how artsy's had an impact, especially that what you refer to as the, the, uh, just the stigma of addiction. Uh, and even with 23 years of, uh, 
research by the National Institute of Health confirming that addiction is a brain disorder um, time and time again, whether it's the person nobody knows or the person everybody knows, like most recently Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, they're, they're looked at as a, as a, as a choice. Uh, it's, a, it's a personal lifestyle choice, and, uh, and um, they're, you know, it's, it's really hard to get um, uh, folks to look at the disease of addiction in a light that people will band together and champion for. And what I found in 10 years uh, working with Casey and her mm-hmm. artsy program as it grew from St. Charles, Missouri, across the state of Missouri into Kansas, and I know for a fact it'll go beyond, uh, beyond those uh, borders uh, um, sooner than later. Um, but um, it really reframes um, how individuals are observed with addiction disorders uh, and mental health disorders as well. But specifically with addiction, um, uh, it, it shows the strengths of those individuals. And Casey, you know, referenced uh, whether it's art or photography or music analysis, um, uh, I can tell you that initially I had in my um, thinking that wow, this is artsy's great. It's great uh-huh. for the kids, um, and and never would have dreamed until I saw real life examples that this transcends into the adult population, and we've got folks forty, fifty, sixty years old that are that are for the first time ever um, living their dreams and their strengths out. Um, I uh, five six years ago was in St. Louis City. And they put together a uh, play at one of our addiction sites in the city, and it was an Easter play. And these adults, uh, I just they they put so much passion into this play of the of the Last Supper, and uh, uh, that I'm like, wow, this 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 isn't just for the kids; it's for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, building on the strengths as opposed to focusing on the weaknesses is so critical, and it not only helps that client. But it helps that external, um, that external population of, of of citizens that look at addiction in a very negative way. Even though, either they, someone in their family, or somebody once removed from their family is likely struggling from an addiction disorder. The stigma is there that it's their choice, and if they if they die or overdose, that's uh, on them. And and uh, even with all the research, it's still. A big struggle, and I think Artsy's making a dent into that. And and I, Casey may have some clinical uh, perspectives with the by, with the uh, co-occurring. Yeah. Do you, Casey? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I, do, I just want to piggyback a little bit off of what Jim was saying. Is that one of the other things about Artsy that's unique is our community engagement and and the. Yeah. You know, we involve our consumers, our program participants, in community art shows, performances, parades, um, really to to challenge that stigma and to um, allow them to in, in empower them to show the community that there's so much more to them than what brought them to us. Um, and whether that be a co-occurring disorder or substance use disorder, um, you know, I, I think with co-occurring disorders, one of the um, you know one of one of the things that Artsy does specifically aside from meeting the the consumer where they are which is integral in right. in moving away from labels is is um you know if you look at the the idea of trauma and and how many of our consumers have experienced trauma and what using the arts as a way to um 
to share those experiences and express themselves is, is very powerful. I've worked with many young people that have long histories of trauma and um, multiple co-occurring disorders, and right. one of the things that I've seen the Artsy program do for them is give them a voice um, and a way to describe things that normal everyday language is not sufficient to describe. Right. Um, and I and I think that that's real important that they be given that voice and, and an ability to show the world that um, that they are capable of being successful, that they are um, amazing and uh, and powerful members of society. And um, you know, I, I've had kids and adults alike tell me that participation in artsy was the first time anybody ever told them they were good at anything. You know, yeah. and and that's that's pretty. Um, that's pretty powerful. I think that it's important that they walk away, if with nothing else, if they walk away from our program feeling a little bit more accomplished and feeling that they are capable of being something more than what they thought they were going to be before they came to us. Because I, although community stigma is a big deal, I, I think that the internal stigma that they come to us with is what is going to destroy them if they can't get rid of it. Um, plus, so I think that you know, artsy really empowers them. Yeah, and I could see that when I walked in, and I could see them expressing, you know, part of co-occurring integrated is treating both illnesses or both, uh, you know, both of them in the same place. And in their paintings, in their drawings, in their music, they're very confidently talking about who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's visually very stunning to see that. Uh and then when some of them practice at it, you have some very talented people. And uh, so they collectively become this very, very strong voice. And uh, you're taking them out into the community. Uh, and that, you know, that helps with prevention and, and, and bringing down those walls of the stigma for themselves. And I'm sure... This changes the family, which is another important piece, you know, in integrated care, isn't it? Absolutely. And in fact, we have um, begun in, in several of our sites integrating artsy into our family therapy process. And, uh, right. you know, one example, we had a young man who, um, who was very much into music, and, uh, but he had, uh, he had some significant family issues. And mm-hmm. so what we were able to do for him was we helped him compose a song record a song and shoot a music video um, mm-hmm. where he wa- where he shared something with his mother that he was not able to share with her in just conversation. He was able to play that video in the family therapy session, and what he was able to do was tell her how her addiction was affecting him. And at the end of that family therapy session, the impact of what he shared with her was so powerful, she actually called and made an appointment to get into treatment. So we're actually not only using Artsy individually and in the community, but we're also using it as a way for, for our consumers to communicate with their families and to improve communication within families. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very integrated in all the pieces. We're going to take another break here, and when we come back, I think our listeners can envision... Um, them going out into the public into art shows and parades and schools and, and, and it's no coincidence that once this got more visible you started to get some national attention and then once that started it went to, it went to some very very high levels uh, nationally and we, when we come back 
I, uh, I want to talk to you and ask you some questions because I'm sure it was very interesting about your visit from the White House. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. We've been talking to uh, preferred family health care to Jim Wallace and to Casey Harlan, and we've been talking about the Artsy program and uh, some of the uh, the successes. And, uh, you know, it's very, uh, I'm like an image kind of a person, and I can see these, you know, your folks bringing this art and music into the community. And then, of course, you've got some attention, and people begin to really rally behind that. And, and then you got a little more attention, and then I... I don't know who wants to address this. I suppose both of you do. But in uh, 2006, you get a visit from the White House. So who wants to start that story? Well, because of Casey's modesty, let me start it out, and and then she can jump in and fill in any blanks I leave out. But I I referenced the uh, last time I I talked uh, that, again, getting individuals to champion behind addiction and addiction issues is something sometimes very difficult. And so when um, we um, kind of got out from underneath this roof uh, in St. Charles, Missouri, in the afternoon um, uh, sessions where we did art and coloring and and when the supplies were available, one of our first showings uh, was at a local uh, art um, studio uh, called The Foundry in St. Charles. And um, that showing... Uh, got some press uh, from the local St. Louis Post-Dispatch newspaper. Um, that that 
press article got the attention of um, the White House and Laura Bush at the time, uh, the First Lady, had a Helping America's Youth initiative and and we got the call um, that uh, she would like to come uh, and uh, visit our program and learn more about um, um, the artsy program and how it's helping uh, America's youth and uh, kind of the rest is, is history. Um, um, uh, she she uh, showed up and um, got really a, a good uh, a feel for uh, what the program looked like at that time in 2006. And I think, again, um, because historically um, the news that usually leads with addiction is very bad with uh, no mm-hmm. hope and no, um, no positive to it, um, it, it really, um, I, I feel like, helped jumpstart um, the artsy program from outside of our one location uh, to evolve into our 35 locations. And Casey uh, has taken the approach of slow and steady wins the race. She's not in a big hurry to just plop a manual down at each site and say, do it. Um, she mm-hmm. she gets in the trenches and trains and indoctrinates the staff and, and finds the right staff uh, to be on the bus to move Artsy forward. And um, um, she uh, mentioned um, talking at several national and state conferences. I know she right. is giving a presentation in St. Louis this summer at the National uh, Council of Addiction Disorder Conference, uh, which we're excited to have her. So she uh, continues. I, in my my uh, world, I use analogies a lot, and I, I feel like Artsy's a ten year old program. So we're we're about a fifth grader. We've got a lot to learn and a, and a long way to grow. Um, and I'm excited to be a part of it again. So, so you get a call from the White House. Did you have to tell them, well, let me look at my calendar? <laughs> I think I, you know, are you busy, Casey? Casey, what? How did you uh, receive that news? And you, you are very, very humble, but well, and, and honestly, I was up, really right? taken aback and humbled. And, and at no yeah. time in the development of this program did I have aspirations for it to be recognized yeah. by the White House. I honestly was trying to reach my fifteen client caseload when yeah. I developed the program, and so you know, it, it was. I was real taken aback by that. But I tell you. It was an amazing experience. Um, we had several consumers, young consumers, that had the opportunity to meet Laura Bush as a part of that and to share their um, their ideas with her. And probably the, that was probably the coolest thing for me about the recognition is to watch them. Um, you know, we had a young man who actually made an art project specifically for her, and she he was able to present that to her. And um, you know, and that probably was an experience that he will never forget. Um, so I, I'm humbled by the recognition that the, the program has gotten. Um, I am by no means satisfied. Um, I, I am always wanting to grow the program and to develop more elements to it. Our newest um, endeavor is the development of a videography component. Um, and so we've been doing um, consumer-produced uh, uh, PSA videos and, and personal videos, and, and that's that's kind of where we're going right now is is moving into the the technology that that's available to um to provide them with more advanced opportunities really and so you want to widen uh, 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 uh who's oh, uh, preached um get caught doing good things and um and artsy uh is definitely an example of that good things will happen when you, uh we're doing good things um 
And so I, I think that's why we've gone where we've gone. So are there, are there new populations that you can see, uh, you know, using this or being served by Artsy? Um, you know, what do you see in five or ten years with, with all this? You know, I think that the, the, the beauty of the Artsy program is that it's not something that has to be um, boxed into one specific population. Um, initially, I thought that adolescents were, were the only population that would benefit really from it, but as I've seen with our moving this into the adult uh, substance use and co-occurring population and also using it with adults that are chronically and persistently mentally ill, we also have a program that we started um, in Franklin County that provides this service to youth that are experiencing any high-risk situation. That could be mental health issues, substance abuse, family issues. We also are working with some youth that are on the autism spectrum, and the program seems to be working really, really well um, with those youth. So I don't know that there are any limits as far as what populations could be served with the program because it's very customizable and it's so strength and interest-based that it's very consumer-driven. Um, it is driven by the individual that is accessing the program. So whatever the needs or interests are of the person that comes to me, we can customize the program to fit those needs. Where can the listeners find out more to go to specifically about Artsy? You know, I think that the best place to, to find out information on the Artsy program is to go to the PFH website, the www.pfh.org. Uh -huh. um, there's a link to our Artsy website on there. And, um, and when you get to the Artsy website, we also have a Reverb Nation account with all of our music. We have a YouTube account that has videos on it, and you can see a lot of our artwork on that website as well. Okay. And Jim... The the future of preferred family health care, uh, I know you see some things down the road, and uh, just in the last minute or two, what are some of your your visions for the future? Well, I think, again, our one of our core uh, uh, themes that we embrace is uh, relationships and relationships with other providers, uh, folks, uh, communities, uh, clients, and um, our mission is helping others achieve their potential, and maybe we can do that on our own with our own programming, but possibly uh, partnering uh, with other agencies um, mm -hmm. to help others achieve their potential with other specific populations. Casey mentioned some different populations that we're serving, mm -hmm. and uh, we can continue serving, but um, um, how do we reach them? Uh, we're not... Uh, of the belief that we know it all and we can do it all, we we definitely definitely takes a village, and so uh, we embrace that. And uh, I agree with Casey in terms of the best way to get the information or ask a question is uh, uh, I, I really try to drive folks to our website, so www.pfh.org. And if there's something that's not answered in what you see, then you can ask a question, and and we we. Uh, encourage that. But again, helping others achieve their potential. Um, and uh, Artsy has just become a foundation cornerstone of a, and, and a part of PFH. It's not an external uh, piece. It's, it's, it's a part of us. And Casey, quickly, you'll be presenting uh, uh, this uh, in St. Louis. Could you give us a little detail on that for our listeners? 
Um, yeah, I'll be presenting at the National, the NCAD, and it is, um, I am presenting on August 26th, and I believe the time is 11.30. Absolutely wonderful, and we, hopefully our listeners will jot that down. Again, I want to thank both of you very much, uh, Jim and Casey. Uh, I was very impressed when I visited you that day, and now I'm even more impressed with your, uh, your passion for this and what you contribute, and, uh. I think places like Preferred Family Health Care and people like you, Jim and Casey, really make a difference in people's lives. And, and all of us at Westbridge want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you very thank, much for having us. Thank all you right. for the opportunity and, John, back at you with the passion and the, the belief. So thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody, and tune in to One Hour at a Time next week. So long. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.